Light a couple up. Get bigger in the mood. In love with the grand crew. I mix it in my food. Nigga, you. Get them bitches your old. I hit them with the dick. And I don't even call. I don't need them all. Less bags filled up. Watch cops. Cause they coming to kill us. Real plush. All my niggas shit clean. Off that yola. And you never mix it with soda. Cooler. Rocks like boulders. Boo. Baby, she stressing with me to hold her. No. Me and Moe's in the rules. We fresh off the union. Units we be moving. Cruising. Spaceship. Black 750. B12 air. No, you like my stairway. Baby, try to play me. Bigger Valentine. $50 cheese, $50 breeze, $500 jeans, $1,000 seats, and I'm so waving, so Alright y'all, what is going on? This is your man L, Jamal, coming through with another, with a late night edition of Never Out of Bounds, of course. This is the place we can say what you want as long as you got them facts. Just a few things I want to go over tonight. One, well... For one, I wanted to get through the part two of that Kanye uh, West review. Yes, Donda, the album review. I wanted to get through that. I also wanted to uh, speak my mind on Bill Maher. Um, I had a few thoughts on one of his recent segments. And then um, tonight, we're just going to just wrap everything up with some sports. I wanted to get into some college football, preview the action we got tomorrow. also wanted to talk about some Thursday night football and preview some Sunday uh, NFL Week 3 action. So uh, let's go ahead and get into it. Um, let's get into what grinds my gears, uh, what's been grinding my gears the past couple of days. Um, now that it's back on my mind again. Now... A couple weeks ago, there was a segment on Bill Maher, and he was just kind of just going in on how, I guess it was an annoyance. It felt like it was an annoyance for him. Um, well, of course, uh, week one of the NFL uh, saw the saw the league pandering us to pandering to us yet again. Now, um, they did this with you know presenting to us what people would want to call the national anthem lift every voice and sing now i don't really have a problem with this i i know this is obvious pandering this is what corporations do is patronizing um in a way um you know but that's kind of what they do my issue is somehow he has an issue with this and conservatives and liberals alike seem to have a problem with this non-blacks or non um well yeah it seems to be like the the white establishment seems to have an issue with us being represented you know he spoke his little mind and said yes this is a black national anthem this is supposed to be a form of separatism now where was all this bill Moore, when they were talking about how the nfl was gay that wasn't trying to separate but that was okay that wasn't trying to separate nobody. That wasn't trying to do anything. That wasn't pandering, right? Oh, but when it benefits black people, when it when it shows love to black folks in some way, it's pandering or it's or it's separatism. It's a bad thing. Let's show some cynicism. And this is part of the problem. See, people like Bill Maher, these smart aleck, you know, really, they call themselves being. They really they they want to be edgy. He wants to be, oh, I'm open-minded. Really, he's he's for whoever is is lining his pockets. That's where his political views stand. In tr in true honesty, from what I'm from what I'm seeing from how he, you know, kind of voices his opinions about things, because it kind of seems like it's almost like a a middle of the road type of take. Like, oh yeah, I'm actually now where he calls himself being more critical of Democrats, even though he's been a, a liberal this whole time. Whatever, dude. We know you fake. You know you just for TV. You are a TV character. Bill Maher is a TV character, and I learned that from those comments there. He had so much. He had so. He had so much of an issue with, you know, things like a like a black graduation for high schools or universities. But again, you know, it's Hispanic Heritage Month. I turned it on today. I turned on Bill Maher. Did I hear any mention or bitching from from him uh, from any type of corporations doing things related to Hispanic Heritage Month? No. But he sure had a problem with Alicia Keys singing "Lift Every Voice and Sing." Week one of the NFL. Isn't that funny? 
Wow. You know, I think it's a lot of bullshit. And and I think we need to, first of all, we need to understand what this song is about. First of all, it's not a national anthem. Um, it was written in 1900 by James Weldon Johnson. And yeah, it's an anthem, but more like an anthem for black people and trying and, and, and the coming of, you know, this was this song again, 1900. This is about 40 plus years after we were free from slavery. We're at the turn of the century. And this song is talking about us, you know, going down that road into becoming a self-sufficient people. Uh, developing ourselves but understanding our roots if you look at you know the lyrics it doesn't tell you about anything about being aligned with America peak game here this is this is examples stony the road we stony the road we trod bitter sorry ah uh, story story the road we trod bitter the chastening rod Felt in the days when hope unborn had died, yet with a steady beat, have our weary we have our weary feet come to the place for which our fathers sighed. Again, they're talking about their experience in slavery, how they've come back from that. They had no hope in that. They're bitter about those days. If you look at the first verse. Uh, it says, or in those first stanzas, it talks about sing a, sing a song full of the hope that the dark past has brought us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has taught us. That doesn't show any allegiance to America. It's not a national anthem. There was no black nation. There is no black, quote unquote, black nation. So to call it a black national anthem is a misnomer. That's just to put extra on it to try to make it, to, again, to fit somebody's agenda. All Bill Moore wanted to do was bash that moment for no fucking reason other than it had something to do with black people on a positive level. It's not pushing the race divide. It's black people being included, so it has to be a problem. What the fuck is wrong with that, white folk? I hear I'm here. I, I heard nobody bitching about the football is gay campaign. Let it fucking go. You can't pick and choose who gets to be represented and who gets what. That's bullshit. I'm tired of that. I did not like, and I, and you know, because of those statements, I don't really want to watch this bullshit show anymore. Back to the song again. This is not a national anthem. This is not, you know, this is about people holding on to their roots. Lest our hearts drunk with the wine of the world, we forget these shad thy shadows beneath thy hand. May we for may we forever stand true to our God, true to our native land our native land okay this is different from star spangled banner look at the damn flag that still is standing after a battle nobody gives a fuck about anymore okay and again nobody's bitching about hispanic Heritage Month, nobody bitches about Native American Heritage Month, but motherfuckers, including black people, want to bitch about black people shit. Oh, they want to complain about Black History Month. Oh, black people, you know, I'm so done with that shit. There's nothing wrong with positivity for us. Again, this is just the NFL pandering, the corporation pandering like they always do. They were doing it with their campaigns I mentioned just a second ago. Nobody tripped about that. Keep the same energy, Bill. That's all I'm asking for. Stop showing your hand. See, it, it's like it's like the liberals subtly show their hand with shit like this. You're showing us your true card, Bill. We know you sh truly don't like us like that. You might like a couple of us. You might like a couple of us that might feel the same exact way you do, but you really don't like all of us. And that's the that's the reflection that I'm seeing when I see shit like that. So stop getting bogged, black people. Stop getting bogged down with Republican, Democrat. Get stop getting bogged down with the terms of liberal and conservative because you're gonna start seeing that none of them really really got you like that. Unless you're fully committed to what their agenda is, you are on the outside. Believe that. Okay? I need to get that chest, that off my chest. Fuck Bill Maher. Fuck that weak-ass show. 
that motherfucker is a sellout. Again, I don't know where he stands. He just stands with whatever motherfuckers want to like I said, whoever motherfuckers want to line his pocket. Anyways, let's get into the part two. Uh, Paul further review of uh, oh man, Donda. Man, this was a journey, man. This was a long album. Motherfucker had like 25 songs and had the nerve to have like a couple remixes of some other songs. Pretty much, they were pretty much the same structure, same length in some cases, just added a different verse. Let's talk about the highlights. Um, last night, or the last time I was, I was, uh, you know, uh, last my last installment, I was a little bit harsh, I feel. Um, definitely critical, but let's talk about some things that I did like. Um, I did like the song, Believe What I Say. It's actually positive. I still believe Ky uh, positive Kanye shows flashes of good knowledge. Uh, this is an accessible song uh, that's not filled with his bullshit. I also feel like this song represents what I feel like he wants his spiritual change to be or what he's trying to, sh to try to put off to us although I don't feel like that message or that energy is consistent uh, but I do feel it at some points in this song it was an upbeat vibrant tune I definitely like the Lauryn Hill sample I like what I always loved about samples and Kanye is probably one of the best at using them um, it'll always be one of his things when I, again this is a part of his ingredients at least for me of a Kanye track that I like but um, I always like when people sample songs the different aspects of a song that they might use or the different parts of that song or the bridge or for, for instance are they going to sample the bridge of that song are they going to sample the hook of the song um, whatever you know um, so I or just the beat or the melody for example but um, really good job here I think again when he's positive when he's coming in there humble it's like a, a flashback to what I think. And this is kind of, I think a song like that is what I feel Kanye without all the extra nonsense that he brings to the table would probably be. Um, still auto-tune heavy. And I'll get into how I feel about that in just a second. But again, really good. Uh, another highlight was the, the Moon track. I thought it was a little bit short. And again, the auto-tune made it hard for me to decipher Kid Cudi's lyrics on the first listen. Uh, but definitely my second favorite song on the album once I kind of uh, got those lyrics down. Um, and it's my second favorite song behind behind Believe What I Say, actually. So um, it's somber, reflective. Um, it's not... It's not, it's not washed. It's not completely washed away by whatever Kanye would have to offer in terms of his ego and his narcissism. It was free of that. And uh, we got to see another side of Kid Cudi. Uh, but Kid Cudi has always been showing this side of him. So I got to give him props for that. Kanye's beat, you know, making is on point with this one. I'm not going to take that away from him. Again, I just... It's really weird because I... I when you when you hear me particularly in my last installment of this when you when you listen to my critiques i know what some people are going to say they might call me a hater they might say whatever but it's coming from a point where i know in 20 2004 i loved this cat you know uh up until you know i loved all his albums up until a certain point and that's not to say i i became i hate him or you know, it's like, oh, I dislike him. But I feel, you know, sometimes when people's music change, you know, it doesn't always it doesn't always stick. And I think for him, you know, he's went I, he's had different phases. And again, I am just my one person. Obviously, this man, you know, the numbers don't lie. So don't don't let I mean, nobody's I'm pretty sure nobody is going to let my my one opinion, you know, be the end all be all. And it shouldn't be. Um, particularly again because people find what he does fascinating and good and again it just doesn't all go there for me anymore it just is a certain disconnect um, yeah between the, the first three albums and pretty much what I see nowadays from him um, and there's certain like again there's certain tracks that kind of bring that back to me and uh, maybe that's because I am in my personal life and I am at a different point and trying to be at a different point. Um, 
I feel like in my personal journey, I've been more somber. So songs like Moon really touch me because I've had those personal, you know, moments. I've had those personal, um, that personal time to myself where I've had nothing to do but reflect. So I get the message there in that track. Believe what I say is is really, like I said, upbeat, so it makes you happy. I even bounced my shoulders a little bit listening to it, at least because I listened to it a couple of times. So those things I look out for in a track um, as well. And it's just, in my opinion, that's a little bit hard to come by for me with him. But with that being said, a lot of artists are the same way because there's a lot of artists, in my opinion, and it kind of shows up in this album, too. It just kind of sound super similar, and that's why Kid Cut like this Moon track here me, uh, meant a lot to me because Kid Cudi is so far removed. Again, even with the auto tune, again, like I said, it did make it hard for me to really understand what he's saying originally. But again, when you break it down, you have the lyrics right in front of you. It's like okay, I get it. And it was so different and so removed from everybody else, and everybody else that was a feature on the album jesus lord again another highlight for me um humble kanye is the best kanye jay electronica is still raw he uh, he's out there he's always just showing up randomly giving you some real knowledge i think this is the best feature on the album uh it eviscerates jay-z's jail verse um man um I'll talk about another verse in just a second that I truly like too. That makes me, that makes him, in my opinion, Jay Z look a little bit old to me, um, or look like he's just again this again this is somebody else's time right now. This is other people's time right now. Even for Kanye, you kind of, you know, I I feel like he's he's hopping on to the sound that that that's hot right now, and he's doing his best, and you know, and, but people like it. So I mean, again, but for me, I just. I don't know. I mean, for this track specifically, Jay Electronica was needed. He made that song what it is. That those bars that he had. Um, Kanye's features pretty much eat him alive <laughs> in this project. I mean, but Kanye's not a rapper. But just just in this one, I just feel like the the disparity between the levels. You you can almost see like Kanye is like I don't know. It feels like Kanye is just pandering to the to the new age of rappers and just not even really like he's given it i think in terms of the subject he's he's given it some effort in terms of the subject but in just of him trying i don't know it's just the wordplay isn't there i feel again his features are eating him um except for i guess the the i think on a hurricane that feature yeah whatever um I, I I mean, you know, Jesus Lord, uh, back to Jesus Lord itself, pretty solid song, uplifting. Uh, again, I'm not Christian, so I'm not all super, super Jesus, you know, relying on that and all that. But again, it's reflective of what he says his beliefs are. Again, there's 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 clearly I, I see the discrepancy. I, I maybe maybe I'm seeing maybe I'm looking too far into it, but I'm seeing discrepancies that I know other people aren't so it's just for me it's like yeah yeah you're Jesus now right okay dog yeah okay yeah, you are you are spiritual now yeah you the wise sage okay dog alright okay alright dog um now I will say this another highlight I got to was uh the baby uh the jail uh the I guess the jail too uh the alternate version with the baby Again, the baby's verse. I don't listen to him all like that. And of course, um, I didn't agree with his comments. Not to say that I'm all, you know, he's some evil dude that needed to be banned. I just don't, I just just simply didn't agree with the comments. So don't take it all like, oh man, I'm, I'm championing all the other side's cause. I'm just saying misplaced comments weren't necessarily needed. But the man is a good rapper. Um, this was the one of the first times I've been able to really hear him spit. And again, he he murks Jay-Z's verse. If you compare the two, sorry, dog. Jay-Z ain't the man no more. This ain't his generation. He's he's the he's the he's clearly the grandpa. 
he's just coming around just kind of for the clout. Kanye is like the uncle now, like, hey, y'all, come on in. Like, because you, you could tell a lot of these motherfuckers is eating them all these tracks now. It ain't really a big deal because, again, Kanye's in this grandpa sage mode, I feel, or this old wise uncle trying to, you know, bring little pieces. And, of course, he's, he's involved in different aspects of life for us. So, you know, um, a big aspect of this album was that and him referring back to his mom. So I'm not going to get down on those things. Uh, there was also some references to um, Larry Hoover and trying to get him out and things like that and um, the miseducation about him and so on and so forth. So there's some things that I that I rock with with Kanye, but not everything. I just, you know, I it, 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 he could be a character for, you know, the music industry. He could be a different person completely on low. I don't know the man, you know, and it's hard to, to not, it's hard to distinguish when you don't know somebody, it's hard to distinguish their, distinguish them, you know, as a whole from what they present to you. So, um, with that being said, uh, in the second half of the album, the only song that I can say that I really just truly just got on my fucking nerves was Jun, was Junya, yeah, something like yeah, it's Junya, whatever. It has the most annoying C song, repetitive hook. It relaxed the structure, the cadence, and just the feel of of even what Nelly was bringing with his. I missed I, I hearing that chorus made me miss Nelly's choruses. Nelly has some of the best choruses in rap. From now, on, I don't care what people say. Y'all come after me. I don't care. And um, outside of Drake, probably Nelly. Um, now that's what I'm saying. I'm definitely gonna be keeping an open mind, uh, keeping an open mind for this Drake review. But um, I, listening to that chorus made me miss the mid 2000s for some reason. Like it, those choruses at least made sense. I can feel it. I can really vibe with it. I don't. I can't have a vibe Kanye shit. I just don't vibe with. It don't speak to me, man. I don't. I, I again. I'm not, I guess because I'm not rich. I don't relate to rich people. I relate to more working class people. Okay. Um, I don't relate to the narcissism that people seem to be blind to. You know, I don't, I don't do the egoism. Um, again, I still feel like some of this is blasphemous and, um, and you know how I feel about white Jesus and again, we not even gonna get into that. So, um, the second half of the album was really good. And I mentioned a lot of good positives here. Um, I did get on it a little bit, um, the other day. But with this second last half, I mean, with the last half that I was able to listen to, it was really good. And I think it balanced that. So, altogether, honestly, I mean, the album, despite, I mean, I know I probably went in on it. And I probably am not, I'm still not the biggest fan of Kanye at the moment, but for what it is at this time, um, this is, this is what the people right now like, the masses like, um, I'm pretty sure it is. It's just not something that I like, uh, particularly, but with that being said, I still, again, with his track record, with how the masses respond to it, I, I still give an artist you know, props and points for that. So that's gonna that's gonna elevate his grade on the album. So I'm gonna give it a B. Um, again, it it's not some again the same. The funny thing is the same complaints that people might have about Eminem, like oh I wouldn't slap him in my car, I wouldn't ride around in him in the hood. A, a, a couple of songs from Kanye, I wouldn't rock in my whip either. I, he's the same way. Like it's it's you know Versace, I'm rich rap rich boy and I don't relate I don't relate to that and I don't relate to um, you know I'm super duper rich and God made me super duper rich either like I don't I think his message is still kind of muddied um, yeah so it's it's blurry I don't know if he's you know I, is he is he truly grateful is he cocky is he a mix of all that I think he can be all that that's fine but Again, it just doesn't work for me. Like I don't, I don't 
the messages aren't all there. It's not all consistent for me. It's not completely consistent. But again, the people are going to like it. I think it has the sound, the popular sound that people, you know, again, gravitate to. And that's going to lead to one of my last uh, complaints. Again, this is probably another reason why I missed the 2000s was because at least these motherfuckers really did they shit. They they words and they music. You heard they real voice. The, the auto-tune t- a lot, you know, took a lot of the juice out of it for me. It just sounded so hollow, sounded like generic. Um, I know it's supposed to give things a futuristic sound, but I think it takes away the soul. Um, and I think with the way, and the cold part is with the way, with how they structured the song, if these motherfuckers could have these motherfuckers could sing, they, they'd be even rawer. I mean, Kanye, if Kanye took a, a singing class or two, I mean, I'm telling you, he might be like a like a fucking Keith Sweat, like better than Keith Sweat, you know, Johnny Gill. I mean, the voices are there. A lot of these brothers' voices are there. The, the, the auto-tune takes it away. Um, imagine if a couple of these hooks were actually sung with somebody's voice and not made hollow by auto-tune. Oh, God. It has a lot of. I think this album does have some potential, so I'm gonna definitely give it a B. But it, it, it still don't make me all on Kanye West hype hype train again. But solid enough. And again, I'm gonna leave it at that and give it a B. So, all right, y'all. I'm gonna move on from this. Um, and like I said, when I come back, uh, we're gonna have we're gonna be, I'm sorry, we're gonna be breaking down uh, some college football action for tomorrow. Uh, we do have a score to go over from tonight. I believe a top 25 team did go down. Uh, we're going to be talking about Fresno State and UNLV. And then, like I said, we'll be previewing what's going on tomorrow. And then, of course, we'll be talking some NFL stuff as well. So I'll be right back, y'all. What we do, watching screens getting high. Girl, you keep it so fly with your sweet honey buns. You was there when the money gone. You be there when the money comes. Off top, I can't lie. All right, y'all, I'm back. Let's uh, let's wrap this up for tonight. Of course, this late night edition. Uh, week three is underway in the NFL. Uh, we recently had some Thursday night football. Uh, the Panthers got it done against the Texans. 24-9 was the final score. The Panthers moved to 3-0 on the year. The Texans moved to 1-2. Uh, for the Panthers offensively, Solid, decent game from Sam Donald from a game manager standpoint. Uh, 23 of 34, 304 passing yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but he would have two touchdowns on the ground. Uh, running back, the rookie running back, Chuba Hubbard, uh, would have 52 yards on the ground. Not a dominant day on the ground from them, but again, I guess it didn't need to be that dominant because they were able to score. Uh, tight end Tommy Tremblay, he was able to get a rushing touchdown. And on defense, Carolina was led by linebacker Shaq Thompson. Six total tackles from him and Brian Burns. Uh, we mentioned him. Three total tackles from him. He was also able to get another sack. Yes, another sack in a row game. For the Texans on the offensive side of things, of course, David Mills got the start. Not necessarily that bad for a rookie. 19-28 for 160 yards. Uh, he also would throw for a touchdown. Uh, Mark Ingram um, pretty much kept yeah, kept under wraps. 21 yards on six carries. Uh, that was probably the, the biggest factor for the, for the Texans not being able to run the ball at all. Just wasn't able to get it done. Brandon Cooks was your leading receiver. He would have nine receptions for 112 yards. And wide receiver Anthony Willard, Miller excuse me, would have a receiving touchdown um, on top of that. On defense, uh, linebacker Jonathan Grenard would lead the way with four, four total tackles. Excuse me. He would also get a sack. Uh, yeah, kind of big news for the Panthers right now. Uh, running back Christian McCaffrey will be out for a few weeks due to a hamstring sprain. Not a good look, particularly when they're not running the ball that well. 
Chuba Hubbard didn't do that well. I mean, didn't do that bad. Um, I mean, the question is, can they get him more carries? And also, are they going to be able to get any help, you know, in terms of that running back room to kind of help him out for the next couple of weeks? We, I don't know who's going to be carrying the ball necessarily um, in the starting capacity for them. It might be Chuba. Um, yeah, I don't think it was smart of them to get – I think they did get rid of Mike Davis last season. I don't know what Carolina will be doing in their offseason plans. Um, but, yeah. That's, that's going to be an issue for the next couple of weeks. They are undefeated right now, but they're going to get more into that uh, divisional play right now. And they got some potent offenses. Well, one potent offense in, in the Bucks. We don't know what we're going to get from Tampa Bay. But, yeah. Tampa Bay. I mean, sorry. We don't know. Sorry. We don't know what we're going to get <laughs> from Jameis Winston. I wanted to say, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm thinking about Jameis Winston. And the last thing, the last thing he played for was Tampa Bay. But... <laughs> I needed to say New Orleans. We don't know what we're going to get from New Orleans, um, particularly Jameis Winston. I mean, is he going to give you four touchdowns on pretty efficient passing? Um, because I think that might be the key to getting him at least decent numbers consistently is that you're going to have to relegate how often he's throwing the ball. I don't think – I mean, I think he would be the, a game manager in the sense of he probably won't be throwing the – he shouldn't be throwing the ball as much as anybody, probably even a Sam Darnold. But I think he's he's accurate enough in short spurts and in a certain type of offense that if you're not – again, if you're not requiring him to throw a whole lot of ball, <laughs> throwing, throwing a whole lot of passes, and you have a decent enough running game, then you should be all right. I think it sucked. It definitely sucked for the Saints letting go of Latavius Murray right now because that would have been a, a decent addition for the running game for them. But anyways, I'm going too far <laughs> talking about the Saints right now. We're talking about the Panthers and the Texans. But just to kind of just to kind of ease in on what I think might go down in the NFC South. Um, yeah, <laughs> rough times for the Saints. Um, and it could be a rough time for the Panthers without Christian McCaffrey. Uh, but let's move on. Like I said, Sunday, we, we are in week three. Of course, a couple, uh, we're going to have a few big-time matchups. I wanted to talk about them. Uh, first one is going to be the early matchup. The first matchup to be a Zach Chargers Chiefs, uh, two AFC, well, two teams that are favored in the AFC West. A lot of, a lot of, um, experts or you know YouTube guys uh, had well definitely first things first had the Chiefs winning the division, uh, but everybody else seemed to have the Chargers coming out of there with the other playoff spot. I'm not officially sold on that. I I kind of want to go with the Raiders. I'm open. I I think that's up to that's you know that's something we have to see during the course of the season. Somebody's going to earn that. Um, but anyways, the Chiefs are going to go up against the Chargers, their first matchup of the season. Uh, for the Chiefs, they gave up 251 rushing yards last week versus the Ravens, um, and they gave up 500 total yards. Uh, and this one, Chargers QB, Justin Herbert, uh, has been killing it lately. He has had back-to-back 300-plus yard games, and he now has... Uh, Sorry, he now has 10 in his career. Running back Austin Eckler, uh, he's had, he had 115 yards last week by himself versus Dallas. Uh, so, my uh, sorry, the Chargers are going to be looking to move the ball down the field. Can Will they be able to do that against this Kansas City defense who has been known to give up those yards? Uh, the Chiefs are still a potent offense, though. Uh, the squad, of course, with Patrick Mahomes coming off two back-to-back 300-yard performances himself. Um, he also is being backed up by, you know, two top 10 receivers in tra- uh, Tyreek Hill and tight end Travis Kelsey. Now, defensively for Kansas City, uh, they would come, be coming into this matchup fifth in the league in turnovers, uh, well, actually in uh, interceptions. They currently have three. And Herbert has already thrown three interceptions this season so that might be a matchup to look for oh that's definitely going to be a matchup to look out for there uh the chargers are going to have to shut down at least one of the receiving threats uh for kansas city either it be tyreek hill or you know travis kelsey they might even want to have to go after both uh baltimore was able to have some uh, some success uh last week uh they went 50 50 uh they would go 
they were double they were sitting double coverage with their savories their, their safeties excuse me on either Travis Kelsey or uh, excuse me um, or what's his name Tyreek Hill excuse me again they were sitting double teams on either Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey and it seemed to work on Tyreek Hill uh, but it didn't necessarily work on Travis Kelsey hence why I said it was 50-50 but you're going to have to take, a, take out one of them uh, to kind of have a shot in that game, realistically. So uh, the questions here, the key matchups here, uh, is going to be pretty much, you know, the Chiefs defensively as a whole against the Chargers offensive unit. Um, will they be able to, to hold up on the running side of things, at least defensively for the Chiefs? Uh, what uh, matchups can the Chargers exploit offensively? And, you know, another big question is, uh, defensively, what can the Chargers do to, you know, at least contain Travis Kelsey and or Tyreek Hill? That's going to be the, the questions here. Um, I th I still see the Chiefs as a favorite to get this one, but you never know. I think they do have Frank Clark coming back, which is good uh, for the Chargers. Joy Joy Bosa is uncertain, so you know that those may come into come into play. Um, I kind of want to side in the Chiefs is for this one. I still think it's going to be a relatively close game in t terms of scoring. Um, I also think it's going to be multiple, you know, like a you know at least a thirty point game maybe for both teams possibly. Uh, but I do see the Chiefs pulling this one out possibly late and like I said, relatively close. Moving on, we have Washington. Yes, of course, the football team, they're 1-1 one one on the year. They'll be taking on the Bills. The Bills are also 1-1 one one on the year. Buffalo is coming off a 35-0 shutout of their division, divisional rival, Miami. Josh Allen didn't look particularly great, uh, completing just 58% of his passes for 179 yards. Uh, but he does have three touchdowns to one interception so far this season. Running back Devin Singletary will also be a factor in the offense. He's currently averaging 6.5 yards per carry. Not bad at all. Pretty balanced offense coming from Buffalo this year. Not too much to say against that. Uh, and Wash for Washington, their key to, their keys are going to be, um, of course, resting with Taylor Heineke's development. Uh, he had a solid outing in relief of Ryan Fitzpatrick last week in the win versus the Giants. Um, and actually, just in general, um, he has he's completed 73 percent of his passes for 458 yards. Uh, he's had he's thrown for three touchdowns and just one pick. Uh, he will be helped out by playmakers Antonio Gibson. He has 159 total yards rushing so far this year, and also Terry McLaurin. Uh, he's the leading receiver with 169 yards. Now Washington's defense uh, has pretty much missed the mark so far this season. They're 24th versus the pass and 23rd against the run. Uh, they're also 17th in points allowed a game, so middle of the road in that department as well. Uh, but for the Bills, uh, they pretty much, in, the, in terms of matching up, you know, in terms of matching up against that defense, uh, the Bills have gone four for four. They went four for four in the end zone last week, so that will be an, an interesting matchup for the Bills on the on defense. They've been pretty much smothering teams. They've allowed they allowed 252 total total yards, excuse me, versus the Pittsburgh Steelers in Week One, and they only just gave up 216 total yards last week versus Miami. Uh, they've only allowed 24 23 points total. So again, can Washington make certain plays? I don't know. Washington's defense hasn't shown up necessarily yet this year. I like the way Josh Allen is playing. I'm personally going to go with the Bills in this one. All right. Next up, we got the Raiders taking off the Dolphins. The Raiders coming to this one 2-0. The Dolphins are 500-1-1. Miami has only scored 17 points so far this season. And uh, look out for more difficulty when it comes to doing that with starter to attack of Arloa ruled out. Jacob, sorry, backup Jacoby Brissett faced his own issues uh, with an INT last week, and he also just had eight rushing yards. The Dolphins have tallied just 145 total yards, and the Raiders, although you know they scored 59 points in their first two games, uh, they've had a, a tough time getting going early uh, because 33 of their points have actually come in the fourth quarter and overtime. The Raiders also haven't been effective running the ball, 
either. Uh, just averaging 2.3 yards per carry through the first two games. And Josh Jacobs' status is uncertain. So um, it's definitely some elements of trap game, possibly. I definitely feel like the Raiders are coming into here as the favorite. But again, just like, you know, it's any given Sunday. Any given Sunday. Derek Carr, however, is leading the league in passing, uh, passing yards with 817 of them. And both defenses are top 10 according to Pro Football Focus. The Dolphins uh, have linebacker Sam Iguavoin and also edge rusher Emmanuel Agba. Uh, they both have 17 quarterback hits, and defensive tackle Allen Butler has five quarterback hurries on the season so far. The Raiders have their own talent along their defensive line, um, and they've only given up two passing touchdowns in the first two weeks. Mass Crosby and uh, Yannick Ngakwe have combined for 17 quarterback hurries and nine quarterback hits. Crosby and Solomon Thomas also have two sacks. So, again, the Raiders' defensive line is potent. I still think their secondary has some ways to come along. Um, again, I think the Raiders are going to come into this one as a favorite, but, again, with the lack of a running game, there's a chance for, you know, a potential trap situation. And finally, um, we got the Rams taking on the, the Buccaneers. Both of these teams are undefeated at 2-0. The Rams come into this one, of course, being led by quarterback Matt Stafford. He's leading the league right now in yards per completion at 15.4. He has a 127 passer rating, which is second in the NFL. And this is a he's actually at a career best in terms of his completion percentage at 69%. Tom Brady uh, is really showing up this season as well. Again, while the time has not caught up with him, he's currently leading the league in touchdowns with nine. Tampa's offense uh, is currently being dragged down by a running game though that's only averaging 67 points, sorry, 67 yards per game, and that's 30th in the league. Defensively, Tampa will be looking forward to forcing turnovers. Um, last week, they had two two interceptions. Uh, they both were returned for touchdowns, and all four of the interceptions so far this season have been returned for interceptions as well. The Rams are tied for fourth. Um, in the, in the league with four total turnovers of their own. So both teams are looking to make some turnovers happen. Um, they can play defense. They can score. I don't know. I mean, this could go... I, this one is a wide-open game. I don't have a pick in this one. But I think there could be a lot of scoring or because of the, the solid defensive play, it might be a low-scoring game. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know all of to say with this one but uh let's move on to some college football uh we did have some action friday night uh number 22 fresno state they almost took a loss here uh here to unlv of course las vegas uh, las vegas um the final score in this one was 38 to 30 fresno state moves to 4-1 in the year and uh unlv sorry this would have been their second loss of the season but Sorry, that didn't happen. Um, like I said, final score, 38-30, UNLV is 0-4 and four on the year. For UNLV, they were led by quarterback Doug Brumfield. He would go 6-13 of 13 for 114 yards. He would throw two touchdown passes. Uh, Charles Williams would be the team's leading rusher. He would have 102 yards and also a touchdown. Rod receiver Tyreek Hollins uh, would have four catches, 88 yards, and a touchdown. And defensively, defensive back. Philip Hill would have five total tackles and an interception. For Fresno State, uh, quarterback Jake Hayner would go 30 or 42 for 378 yards. He would throw five touchdown passes. He also had one pick as well. Rob receiver Jeremy Cooper will be the team's leading receiver with 10 total catches, 108 yards, and also four. Uh, he caught four of those touchdown passes. Uh, on defense, defensive tackle Kevin Atkins would force four total tackles. He'd also have a sack as well. It's pretty much a case of two different halves. Uh, pretty much, well, actually, no. Fresno State was getting whooped in the first half, 14-9. to uh, That's what the score was going to halftime, but they were able to get things together, of course. Uh, you know, down, you know, down significantly. Uh, they decided to, you know, just let it rip in terms of passing. Jake Hayner again showing up again with a multiple touchdown game. I believe last week he had four touchdowns against UCLA. 
This week he has five. So again, he's getting those stats up there. And like I said, like I said, like I said, tell of tell of two halves. Um, again, Fresno State still gave up some points in the second half, but they had some turnovers. Uh, they had some crucial drives in which they did turn back UNLV and get, did get the ball back in the deciding factor. Of course, the Bulldogs got it. So they maintain a winning record for now. They're going to stay in the top 25 for, for now. But I'm sure, I'm sure my friend, my, my partners and my friends down there in Fresno are a little bit, are definitely relieved right now because they could have lost. They definitely could have lost this one. Uh, moving on to Saturday, we got some big-time games. Uh, first things first, we got number 12, Notre Dame, undefeated right now at 3-0. They will be taking on uh, number 18, Wisconsin, who is 1-1 on the year. Wisconsin is a 6.5-point favorite. I really don't know why. I feel like both of these teams are pretty much even. Um, and now, however, uh, Wisconsin is excellent against the run so far this year. Uh, 66 total yards allowed. Uh, their first uh, overall in the nation. Um, only, um, sorry, they've only and they only averaged one hundred. They only averaged one hundred and eight yards over the last six seasons, uh, and that means, of course, per game. And that's second to Alabama, who's allowed, I think, just a little bit over one hundred, maybe one hundred yards per game rushing. And um, Last week they held Michigan, Eastern Michigan, to just four. Sorry, seventy-six passing yards. So not only can they stop the run, they seem to be a pretty decent defense in general. Um, they also held Eastern Michigan to just three first downs. On the flip side, offensively, the Badgers are tops in the nation with three hundred fifty-two total rushing yards. This has always been a rushing team. Um, they've had great running backs throughout their history. That's just what they do. 352 total rushing yards, four touchdowns. Chaz Malusi is a team's leading rusher with 140 yards and also a touchdown. Jack Cohen of Notre Dame may be the X factor given the fact that he was once a starter at Wisconsin. 12 and 6 there uh, with a 68% completion percentage with 3,278 yards, 23 touchdowns, and eight interceptions. Eight, uh, sorry, this season so far with the Irish. Uh, he has 828 passing yards, eight touchdowns to just two interceptions. Uh, of course, Notre Dame, Notre Dame offensively will also be helped out by running back Kieran Williams. He's 20th, 20th in the nation in all-purpose yards. He's He gets about 133.3 yards per game. So, like I said, both teams seem to be evenly matched. Um, I don't have a favorite in this one myself. Uh, I feel like Wisconsin needs to prove that they belong, um, at least in the number 18 spot. I talked about it in my last uh, my last show. I feel like Wisconsin is a top 25 team, but not as high as uh, not as high as 18. Um, Notre Dame, I kind of feel like they're not necessarily a t uh, you know they're a top 25 team, but not necessarily number 12. So this is this is a way for both teams to kind of prove to me where they truly fit within the top 25. If Wisconsin takes an L here, I think they would still be solid enough to stay in the top 25, at least for another week. We'll have to see what happens. Uh, I don't think it would be that damaging for either team at this point, judging by where they are right now. And I think the, the voting committee, or at least the rankings and all that, the ranking committee seem to be, you know, forgiving with certain losses, uh, particularly to ranked opponents. So, a loss shouldn't hurt either of these guys right now, per se. I mean, they definitely wouldn't be, well, definitely wouldn't be up for playoff consideration, but they'll have a solid ball game if they if they make it. I think for Wisconsin, they would still have a chance to win the Big Ten. Um, you know, but moving on, we have another big matchup here, uh, this time in the SEC. Uh, we have number seven, Texas A&M, uh, taking on, Number 16, Arkansas, both teams undefeated at 3-0. Like I said, big-time matchup. A&M has gone 9-0 against Arkansas since joining the SEC in 2012. This year, the Aggies have scored 85 uh, points total in their game so far, and they've only given up five points on the defensive side of things, and that's first in the nation. So, again, they, they're, you know, their uh, point differential is crazy. That's a good look. Uh, also, uh, they've only given up 77 pass yards per game defensively. 
Um, and offensively, uh, quarterback Zach Calzada has taken over for uh, taken over for Haynes King, who's out with a fractured leg. Now Caldez went 19 to 73, uh, 19 to 33, excuse me, last week for 273 yards and three touchdowns in that shutout win versus New Mexico. So again, the things haven't really missed the beat offensively for Texas A&M. They still got a solid defense, so they got those two things going for them. Also, we got Arkansas. They'll be looking to pound the ball, and they are eighth in the country in that in rushing in general. Traylon Smith leads the team with 216 total yards on the ground and, a t- and three touchdowns. Uh, quarterback K.J. Jefferson will also be a factor in its offense. Last week, he will go 13 of 30, 23, excuse me, uh, for 366 yards. Uh, three touchdowns last week versus Georgia Southern. I believe he's the second leading rusher on the team as well. So we have offense from both teams. Both teams play pretty well defensively. Arkansas, I believe, um, also is also rated highly defensively. So it just, I mean, this one, again, is a close matchup. I don't have a winner. I'm going to just have to watch this one play out. <laughs> uh, both teams are too evenly matched for me to make a call on this one. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to call it a wrap for tonight. Um, I'm going to leave my information in terms of my links available for you guys in the description for the episode. Um, but, yeah, it's late. <laughs> um, but, anyways, uh, my next episode, I will be going over, uh, going back to the MLB, kind of going through the ranking scores, of course. We're getting to the end of the season. Also, be going back to the NFL as well. We'll have week three in the books, week four for college football. So, we're going to be touching up on all those things. Um, anything newsworthy, of course, we'll be talking about that. I got some YouTube shit that I'm working on, so please uh, give me some support there as well. I'm going to leave those links available for you guys, either on my social media or somewhere in the description for this episode. Uh, so please show me the love when you can. It's much appreciated. If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love. And I'll highlight you all you guys later.